Namaste and welcome to the Force Niyama. In this podcast, we explore the vast subject of Ayengar Yoga with senior Ayengar Yoga teachers who are direct disciples of Yogacharya Bikayas Ayengar. The five Niyamas were outlined by Sage Patanjali in the Yoga Sutras, a book he wrote 2000 years ago in Sanskrit. It is also known as Bible of Yoga. The fourth Niyama is Svadhyaya. It is a Sanskrit word which means the study of self. The study of self which leads to discovery of self. A student of yoga should continuously observe themselves in their yoga practice, reflect on it, re-examine their thoughts and actions in order to grow, reduce the tendency to go wrong and retain the balance of mind. Yogacharya Bhikayesa Yengar said, the person practicing Svadhyaya reads his own book of life at the same time that he writes and revises it. May the insights and experiences shared in this podcast by senior direct disciples of Guruji Bikayes Ayengar be an inspiration for you in your own study and discovery of self. My name is Katerina Fyadyuk, I'm an Ayengar yoga student and today I'm very happy and honored to talk to Firuza Alirazvi. Firuza Alirazvi is a senior Ayengar yoga teacher from Mumbai. She has been studying with Yogacharya Bikayes Ayengar since 1977. Firuza was in her early 20s when she started her yoga journey with her first yoga teacher, Father Joe Pereira. Father Joe later became a medium between Guruji and Firuza and introduced her to Bikayes Ayengar. Firuza shares how yoga has taught her to live with honesty, how it has helped her develop a stronger personality, gain the courage to face any challenge, break out of her shell and not care much about what the world thinks of her. Firuza is also a Master of Arts in Philosophy and she has been teaching philosophy to undergraduates. But I can tell you that in the field of yoga, I have seen people more flexible than BKS Ayengar, but I have not seen anybody more graceful than BKS Ayengar. Let me tell you, I met him when he was 60 years old. When you are ready for higher learning, you will find the opportunity to go to the right teacher. But when you are not ready and you keep hunting for teachers, because of modern circumstances, you may, you may be admitted to a class by a teacher, you may get the teacher, but you will still not learn. How should a student of yoga think of progress in yoga practice? When should a yoga student look for a new teacher? How can a student of yoga find the balance between knowing the philosophical aspect of yoga and doing the practice of yoga? These questions and more will be addressed in today's episode with Firuza. Firuza currently teaches at Ayanga Yoga Shraya in Mumbai and conducts workshops globally and in India. Now, let me welcome Firuza Alirazvi. Firuza, thank you for joining me today for this interview. I'm very excited and honored to discuss your experience and your yoga journey. I usually start by asking teachers about their initial steps in yoga. I heard you share in one of the interviews that yoga naturally came into your life, as if you were destined for it. You did not seek a particular outcome, but instead focused on the action and your practice. In your opinion, was this the key to your growth as a practitioner and teacher? Uh, so, uh, I, uh, when I started with yoga, I didn't know what it is to be a practitioner, least of all what it is to be a teacher. So, there was no intention to be a teacher, absolutely. 
and to be a yoga practitioner for a long term was not at all the goal it was just an exploration and the more out of fun because i was still in the end of my teens and uh, there was there was no purpose in life or you know i didn't have any goal and even if i was looking for goals in life it would be to find some kind of a profession on some money settle those kind of normal things which a normal 18 year, year old girl would be having so there was absolutely zero intention as far as yoga is concerned so it just i came across it and uh, well i should consider myself very fortunate that i took to it it could have come to me and it could have passed by and i would have missed it and i would be living some other kind of life but when it came to me i somehow got uh, instigated sufficiently to take to it and then once i took to it i stayed with it various reasons for staying with it uh, one is that uh, probably i was little inclined to the physicality that it offered it made me feel good the stretches made me feel good and uh, i always liked uh, dance in fact i wanted to learn dance at some point of time in life so i liked rhythm i liked grace i liked movement i uh, well i was uh, uh, a reasonably good artist as in you know paint sketching and painting so i was artistically inclined and i think uh, the physical aspect of yoga kind of uh, made me feel good and then of course when i saw bk sanger and the his books and illustrations then the art factor came up to me in a huge way and i found it very graceful very beautiful very artistic so that was one more reason to continue and then of course the teachers i guess the major most important reason the teachers and it could be any i have learned some kind of dance sometime or the other in life but i didn't stick on to it i didn't stick on to it because there was not enough motivation as there was here because of the teachers the dynamism of so my first teacher was father jeet pereira and then he introduced me to bks ainger so had my first teacher not been dynamic enough to uh, help me to hang on the second stage would not have occurred so the first stage my gratitude to my first teacher my gratitude to my first teacher to introduce me to bks ainger and then the gratitude to bks ainger to teach me the way he did if he didn't teach me the way he did maybe my path would have been different so somewhere the his dynamism along with his strictness and uh, a little overwhelming personality i think it just suited me i probably needed something that like that in life because i was on an easy laid back journey with drifting in life with nothing in particular so i think uh, i needed a little bit of an iron hand a little bit of a strong direction and my teachers gave that to me so that was one major reason why i why i stuck on the subject was unknown to me honestly for the first two years or even three i all i knew was that you were about doing some asanas and some breathing exercises which we call pranayam had absolutely no background of the philosophy i mean being an indian you have heard about the subject but had not read anything 
in fact uh, my father was quite uh, my father used to be very curious about many subjects in life and he very clearly told me that this is not yoga what you are doing is not yoga yoga is something very lofty it's to do with the state of the mind it's about meditation you know that is called raja yoga what you are doing is uh, very uh, low level so i understood that from him however i didn't stop because i said well whatever he says it may be low for him but for me it's great so why should i give it up so that's how i went on and so i knew that there are something more to what i was doing at that point of time but i was happy with what i was doing and i was happy to go to another teacher learn something quickly but what i did do was uh, out of curiosity get hold of a few books since i was also a university student i had access to the libraries those days there was no internet or no google so libraries were the only source so i used to go to the library and look up books on yoga and uh, so there my own uh, you know like a little bit of inquiry led me to the theoretical aspect that it's a philosophy and so on and so forth so there were two parallel journeys one is what i did with my teacher in class and uh, side by side my inclination to understand the subject from a different point of view so that little i i wouldn't say i did a very intense study i would just you know pick up different books and flippingly read through them not necessarily study them in a scholarly manner not at all in fact i just wanted the information from here there here there so whether it was vivekanand ramkrishna paramahamsa you know like different books on philosophy history of philosophy western philosophy indian philosophy yoga tantra kundalini everything that i could learn hatha yoga all that i could lay my hands on and if guruji mentioned one text in the class you know like uh, gerenda samhita says this then i would immediately want to look up what is that book so and uh, fortunately i could lay my hands on these books because of the access to the university library any ordinary library wouldn't have given me that access so because i was a university student i had access to the library i could spend some time uh, looking up books and whenever i found an interesting book i realized that nobody had touched that book for 15 20 years perhaps because you know there are so many books which nobody really reads and i was the one after so long you know like, oh my god it's such an old book so that's how it was it was amusing it was fun i was in my 20s so what is your advice to a student who has been practicing physical yoga focusing solely on the physical actions of the body and perhaps has just began taking their first steps in discovering a deeper more philosophical aspect of the subject how can they find the balance between knowing and doing and what role does knowing play in yoga practice okay so knowing definitely has a role no doubt but if your knowing cannot connect to your doing then you'll have you will have a dichotomy you'll have two different subjects and i have known a few students who could not connect the two okay uh, for example uh, since i used to be a lecturer as well and i had i had connection with other lecturers and professors who taught philosophy as a subject very few of them had any exposure to the doing aspect of yoga mm-hmm. they knew a lot they had read the texts i knew professors of sanskrit who would be familiar with most of the texts if they read the text they would understand what the text is saying 
so they could understand the philosophical aspect because they knew the language they could probably also teach it to their students but they had zero practical experience so there was just no relationship so the book and the learning and the knowing uh, was was only here in the head it was some knowledge which was stored in your head and you knew what yoga is about you know the different aspects of yoga the different types of yoga the different stages of yoga and the different you know philosophical aspects whether it's ontology epistemology you know cosmology you, you know everything theoretically but how does that relate to your life not really nothing at all it was just a subjectively taught i mean i did not see that their lives were yogic in any way i did not see that they were healthy even physically or not necessarily mentally at the same time there was a time when guruji had told me that now you should do some research so i said what should i research in he said make a comparative study of hatha yoga pradipika and raj and uh, hatha yoga and raj yoga do some research and i had actually thought i will do it but i found that most of the professors i approached then were not really interested they said there is nothing to research hatha yoga is just a physical you know aspect of yogic practice it's such a small text so there is nothing much to research about that they were not able to see the relationship between these two finally i did have one professor who kindly accepted uh, unfortunately in my teaching assignments uh, whether it was teaching at the college or yoga teaching i did not take it seriously and it just went by so i didn't do it in short but i did not find any academic person interested in the topic which guruji thought was a very interesting topic so that shows the difference guruji did not have degrees he did not have a masters or even a bachelor's degree in philosophy for that matter he not even been to college as a student but i found that he was a yogi his lifestyle okay he may not be knowing the texts the way these scholarly people did i didn't know at that time how much he had read or you know whether he had read at all or not and uh, i should that time think only prashanthi read more than guruji <laughs> in my little head that was how i looked at it but uh, i then knew that guruji also read but it was different right it was not like a professor or like a scholar so his teachings were never ever like an academician and since i was in the academic field i could clearly see the difference and the teaching of vikas anger and a classroom teaching and uh, i did realize that i know a lot of scholars who have studied the texts in huge ways i mean i know of them maybe not so personally or whatever i could know of them i thought that there was nothing yogic about them there is guruji who was not educated formally in the subject was very much a yogi in so many ways and not only because i thought so if i took a checklist of you know what are the qualities of a good yogi because ayengar fitted that his lifestyle his thinking his personality his evolution you know the kind of person he was everything was very yogic about him his ethics his values the way he interacted with people the way he stood for what was right and you know the way he had the fire to stand for what was right and 
not worry about what the world said there was no fear of you know that you have to comply with what the world thinks so he was a bit of an out of the box person which is why i loved him because i i am not myself fitting into any box i don't care to fit into box or in the social structure and dks ayengar in many ways did not fit into the social structure of the world of yoga the way it was then he carved his own path he set up his own ways and he didn't care less he 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 may not have the educational background or he did not have the backing of a guru to you know support him all throughout except in the initial stages he neither had the financial support but he had the guts to follow what his gut told him something inside him told him this is the way this is the path i've chosen this and i'm going to follow it with all sincerity you need a lot of guts for that sure you need a lot of courage for that i didn't see too many people in the world having that kind of courage i didn't see too many people in the world having the courage to call a spade a spade and not you know wrap it in you know good words or uh, yeah be diplomatic for your own benefit praise someone he met the grandest of people in life but he didn't kind of you know use the want to use them to his advantage by kind of being nice to them so that they will in turn be nice to him i mean he was what he was and he always put across the truth which is often very which is why very often he was not liked by many people also right so he had a bad reputation there unfortunately a uh, fiery man fierce man aggressive man whatever 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 the world like to call him but we as students saw all sides of him so we knew that we knew the truth so yes he could be very fierce he could be extremely fiery i mean you couldn't stand the heat if you were next to him you'd melt he was he was so fiery but at, at the same time underlying that fire there was compassion there was love there was concern there was care there was joy he was a man who loved to live life king size outside the classroom he was full of laughter full of joy full of fun he he could connect to a 10 year old or a 20 year old or an 8 year old and in fact my when my children were little i don't think they thought of him as some old man you know they could connect to him as well at the age of 4 and 5 they connected to him beautifully they thought he was fun he was dynamic they looked forward to meeting him and they thought you know i mean they didn't actually play with him but they were not scared of him in any way as other people might they were not in awe of him either so for them he could connect to that level their level for us he was at our level so he molded himself to different students i'm sure all over the world when he went to the western world he was with them what they wanted him or what he should be with them not what they wanted but what he should be with them so he had all these facets of of you know being able to mold the flexibility was not only in his body there was a hugely flexible mind at the same time that hugely flexible mind was uh, not without a certain framework of standards which were not compromised see if you are very flexible you can just you know be like a, a rolling stone you can just keep rolling he was he didn't have that kind of a flexibility he was very adaptive and that is why he was ahead of times 
he was much ahead of his time actually you know the way he thought especially in the subject of yoga nobody thought like that everything was very traditional and classical and he opened out a huge modern way of looking at the subject which is why he became so very very popular and it was like a huge thing internationally right you know ayengar yoga was a huge boom at one point of time now it is subsiding because there are so many other so called yoga yoga schools coming up but they, they hold no candle to the test center you know so what the sparks that he has created they are going to remain for a long 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 time and that was because he was ahead of time he had a new approach a modern way of projecting the subject to the world enticing people can you imagine a subject like yoga which we indians had hardly heard about nobody was interested to learn he made it so fascinating that millions all over the world just wanted to learn it they did not want to learn the subject because of yoga they wanted to learn yoga because of bk sanger let's face the truth that is why so that's why after bk sanger a lot of people are lost because they don't know the subject so that's why you asked physical and the philosophical so the physical remains because that is what fired them which was the most obvious thing about bk sanger you see him you see his and he was blessed i don't know he was a sickly child mal malnourished malformed body but when i saw him he had the most beautiful structure the grace that exuded from him when he did his asanas there are so many very flexible people in the world even today there are dancers with immense amount of grace fantastic in their own field of dance all that is there but in the field of yoga though there are so much there is so much on social media today Yeah. but i can tell you that in the field of yoga i have seen people more flexible than bk sanger but i have not seen anybody more graceful than bk sanger let me tell you i met him when he was 60 years old so he was not having the grace of a young man he was always already a senior citizen but i have seen the grace of a 60 plus young man and i have not seen any young people having that kind of a grace at least i have not seen that sounds marvelous usha devi often recalls that when she was observing him in his practice or generally like she could literally see it glow in his skin that it was glowing and it was like a baby skin yeah even even in his late years glow in his skin and in his eyes mm. it was not easy to meet the eyes of bks anger not many people could look him in the eyes he had too much magnetic power and most people were afraid you know and if he came directly and looked at you then it was like either people were taken aback or they just shifted their eyes or they looked down so it was difficult to meet his gaze but when he was practicing then you could so that's what we did when he used to practice we used to steal lances because he practiced openly in the in that hall at vimy and uh, he never practiced in private once in studio well he may be doing something at home but he had the daily practice uh, you know and in the hall and everybody who was there to learn full time would also come and uh, set out their mats and practice but uh, i can tell you that most of us were only partly in our practices and somewhere we would steal glances to look at what he was doing okay and a lot of people tried to copy him and he was very amused and used to laugh at you know like what are you doing 
that kind of a thing. But, but that's the only way we knew those days. Youngsters, particularly who are naive, you know, the only way of learning is to imitate, to start with. And then things may start opening out for you. So the imitations were attempted, but uh, no one, no one could be anywhere close to him, really. And I must, with apologies, say this that neither Gitaji nor Prashanti, nobody has matched him. I mean, they they are great in their own way. I'm not denying that. Gitaji had a great presence and she had also great presentation, everything, Prashanti also in those days. But with great apologies, nobody like BK Sanger. Maybe I'm biased, but this is the way I believe. Well, I, I, I was just wondering generally if a guru of such a supreme caliber would ever be in this planet again. Not often, not often you get gurus like that. If you know one per- such person in your entire lifetime, you are blessed. Mm-hmm. You are very fortunate. That is why I believe that I am just very blessed. I was destined to meet him. I had absolutely no intention of even finding a guru in my life. I don't come from a cultural background where ha- having a guru or a family full guru as is called a family guru is almost also normal. I come from a very Persian background. I'm not from originally Indian background. Indian culture, Hindu culture is what I've grown up with, but not the religion. And I never ever wanted to look for a guru in my life. It didn't mean anything to me as a, in my childhood or in my young, in my teenage days. So these are all discoveries for me on the path of my life. So I do believe that I was very much destined for it. And I'm, I must have done something good in my past life to have met first Father Joe, who became the medium for me to meet BK Sainger. And then through Guruji, Gitaji, Prashanji, who have been hugely contributed to my learning. Because not everything comes from only one place. Not all of you. Uh, there can be there can be a great reservoir, but I may not be able to drink from it directly. Okay, but I may have to drink from a stream, which goes out of that main. So there is a main pool, but I may have to drink from a rivulet that goes from it, because that is what helps me or uh, nourishes me more than diving into this. So some from the original source, but much came from the other sources like Gitaji and Prashanti. So I consider myself very fortunate that, that I came across that in my life. And yeah, we don't know when another such guru will. There may be many in this world, but whether we will come across them is a different matter. So you mentioned that you were starting your journey with Sayangar Yoga with uh, Father Joe. I also feel very fortunate that I was able to meet him last year for the first time in Poland. He came to oh, uh, give oh, yes. a workshop. It was such an amazing and mind-blowing yeah, he's a very experience. Mind. Yes, yes, yes. He's also very dedicated, very motivated, very energetic even now, you know, for his yeah. age and his journey. And he has stuck to his dedication to what he has got from BK Sainga, from Guruji. And he has molded that in the work that he's doing now for the world. We say about uh, substance abuse and the addiction and things like that. So he's a very dynamic mind. My question is, uh, Father Joe was a mediator between you and, and Guruji. You could, we could say that you moved 
from from Father Joe to to Guruji. What could be your guidance to a student on moving from one teacher to another? What is the appropriate time? Nowadays, students decide. You know that okay, like you go shopping. You know, like you have five brands now. Which which brand should I buy my shoes from, or which brand should I buy my clothes from? So you have a choice like that. And these days, the students uh, look for teachers in the same manner. Mm-hmm. You have X Y Z available to you. How can I contact this one, that one? Learn a little from this. Learn a little from that. So that is not a good way, and that was not the traditional way either. So in my case, the shift happened not out of my choice. My teacher decided when it was time for me to shift to the next guru. I was sent. I didn't say I want to go. Here lies the biggest difference. So when the time is right to move. to some other source for more learning of course i'm not saying that you should not go when the time is right there will be some signs some indications will be there your lifestyle circumstances something in your life will lead you there so it's not that you are looking for it but you will be led when you are led to it that is the correct time not when i want but when it comes to me patience is very important today it's so easy to have five teachers five days a week five teachers learning from and then you have a checklist i'm learning from x y z all the top teachers of ayurveda yoga so you you think it's a qualification well we never thought of it as a qualification at all to be learning from bk sanger was not considered as a qualification by me because the thinking process was very different it was much later than when people used to tell me oh you learn directly from bks anger that's when i understood the value oh yeah yes you know i've learned directly from bks anger it started making sense to me the thought was given to me by other people that okay i am the direct disciple see so by that time many years had passed and then there were other teachers students of bks and then students of students so you have two three generations at that time coming from the top man became very valuable but when there were no below the learning top from the top man was just normal it was nothing special so it's a perspective actually it's so let me put it that way when you are ready for higher learning you will find the opportunity to go to the right teacher but when you are not ready and you keep hunting for teachers because of modern circumstances you may you may be admitted to a class by a teacher you may get the teacher but you will still not learn understanding yes the yes. knowledge is there at your feet but you don't have the capacity to receive it mm-hmm. so what's the point uh, there should be a hotline between you and the teacher then the the connection when the connection is good the information passes quickly but even if the teacher is next to me but there is a barrier and no hotline how does the transformation happen transformation doesn't happen 100 people may be learning from the same teacher maybe in a classroom but not all of them receive everything the same way but only those who have established a hotline will receive quickly it doesn't mean that the teacher is teaching that person more or paying more attention to x student the teacher is teaching the same thing to everyone x learned why did not learn so the maturity time factor your readiness so many factors matter 
so when the time is right you move to a higher teacher to be honest i did often think of that because when i used to read books then i used to say i must explore you know the teachings of ramkrishna paramhans or ramana maharshi or you know there is this other school of yoga like bihar school or mm-hmm. whatever i could know in those days and i should i thought that you know i should explore and somebody would be praising that i have learned from that one and that is fantastic obviously everybody thinks that whatever they have learned and their teacher is fantastic nothing wrong it's 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 good but as an immature student it would slightly tinkle the desire in me that i should also go and learn yeah the, the ego yeah you can call it everything everything is ego eventually the desire is also ego only so i want i had a thought that i should learn from this person why should i not learn from this person who knows this person this teacher there may have something more to offer than we can find out how do i decide that guruji knows everything maybe he doesn't know anything maybe somebody else will be able to tell me more so i am not denying that those thoughts came in my mind those thoughts did come in my mind and i think it's healthy that they would come in it should come in anybody's mind if you are exploring you should not be a closed book right mm-hmm. so there are books as sources of information and people as sources of information and places as sources of information in my case i did seek information through books but i never ended up going elsewhere something in me stopped me from doing that so even if i thought about it it never materialized so i never went to another guru another teacher to learn at that time i might have even thought that oh i wish i could have gone i wish i could learn from this one i wish i could you know attend that you know meditation camp or whatever was being you know available in terms of information at the end of it whenever i would go back to guruji learn from him there were no regrets and i would somewhere in my heart feel that no this is right for me you know this is right for me i don't think i need to seek elsewhere whatever i must whatever i deserve will come from here only so i never drifted off thoughts will come but i never drifted off and whatever i wanted to know i could find in books so books also in rimi in the library when i used to go to pune then i would also take out a lot of books from there and read so different libraries offered me different informations and then i started acquiring some books when people found that i am interested they would gift me some book and like that i just got exposed to various thoughts somewhere deep in me i was 99% sure and once in a you know most of the times 100% sure and once in a while 99% sure this is the right place for me this is the right teacher for me. and of course then in his presence see we stay we stayed away we are we are in mumbai he was in pune there were times when we would meet for weeks together he would come once in a week so it was a weekly meeting and then i started going to pune so maybe you know once in three months a visit to pune so there were times when we were away the distance puts you away and at that time the other thoughts start coming in your head but when in his presence all the doubts always clear out you know like you have clouds over the sun but in his presence all the clouds always clear out So there was no reason to go anywhere else after that. Absolutely, like the sun. Mm. 
your story is so so relatable especially i i came across the same thought process of, of seeking of maybe trying not trying but deep inside call it inner voice intuition truth i felt that there is no point for me to to seek i i found it and i feel it and it's not just blind devotion of face i i could feel in practice through my own experience how i yoga yeah. changes Absolutely. changes my yes. mental state and physical state and it's incredible i must tell you that i actually my personality changed after i started mm. the yoga in my own perceptions i was very shy lacking in confidence and uh, quite introverted and uh, everything changed after i started with my yoga practices so i developed a much stronger personality so whatever guruji had to offer in his personality it rubbed off you know the courage the fearlessness the the courage to face every challenge and uh, also to come out of your shell you know so i could make friends more easier and uh, not care about what the world thought so much i wasn't like that then so i was still so luckily i was still in my molding stages i was not yet 20 when i started designing the yoga so it was just the right time for me mm-hmm. so that my personality according to me it it uh, changed or developed for the better i don't know what other people might have to say about me but i think it was for the good and when did this breakthrough happen to you or when did you start noticing significant changes in uh, i think uh, within the first in the very first year i would say i felt some changes happening but definitely at the end of a couple of years for sure at the end of a couple of years much had changed even by the time i met guruji i was quite changed and then of course with after meeting him even furthermore so there were a lot of changes in me as a person and uh, the dynamism which was in there the dullness okay so the 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 three gunas become very apparent to you the tamogun the rajogun the sattva gun so a lot of the tamogun prevailed which you know got eradicated and the rajogun came up in a huge way which i didn't know i had okay? and so there was that that phase and then that also you know mellowed down a little and then the 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 maturity the the silence the serenity all that came in later as the the sattva gun i would say you know but inherently yes inherently there were certain qualities inside us told even by my parents grandparents that i was always a very serene and quiet child so i must say that that quality might have been there inherently which uh, was just allowed to come out uh, later on so once the confidence came and the timidity went away and the hesitations went away and uh, i was confident of you know that i can go out and do what i want with my life i was as i was unclear at one point of time i became very clear at another point of time as to what i want to do with my life so then when all those things cleared away then i i again so maybe i might have been a little more aggressive at some point of time in the transition but after that it was right balanced so uh, when uh, i must tell you that when we married my husband didn't think i was at all shy or timid which was my essential nature he was he thought i was you know like very much uh, dominating and strong which was what his impression was and then slowly i had to tell him that look i have the other side to me also <laughs> so anyway that's a light on what 
but when i was in school nobody would have said that i was like that so that over 10 years a huge change in my personality i'm very curious to hear your opinion on how should a student think of a progress in yoga practice so i'll tell you in my experience guruji never told us to read books okay he didn't tell us as such but he would be mentioning things in the class and then there were those annual days where he would talk about the yoga sutras and you know those kind of we had these four in a year lectures from mm-hmm. the stage otherwise they were always practical classes so i realized that whenever he spoke about those factors when he spoke about the self the purusha the atman you know about the higher states of yoga it fascinated me a lot somehow nothing fascinated me as much as those aspects of learning so i feel that the progress for any student should be a search what is it that interests you what is it that fascinates you so if it is the asanas which fascinate you okay no problem but then can you dig deeper in the asan to understand it from various angles so the performance aspect of you know how to correctly execute the pose so that you don't hurt yourself and to find the balance and then the science of it okay so how it can be what is the science behind the asan what is the therapeutic aspects how can you use it for yourself or others so if you are interested in the physical part you can go deeper into that aspect nothing wrong okay but be honestly get into your learning and then surely the doors will open up so all i say is sincerity sincerity in your approach to even if it means that okay every day i am practicing 10 20 asanas at a very physical level no problem but the fact is that when you practice them at the physical level they will start triggering chemistry in your brain so you may be doing it at physical level but the effects will not remain only physical there will be some psychological changes some mental changes okay some and those themselves will lead you to more questioning about the subject so at one point of time you will be curious to know something more about the subject besides the knee or the back or the spine or the structure of the asana so there will be a very natural evolution to your progress and not everybody is inclined to everything so that's okay that's also fine at whenever the time is right it may happen so you see there are many stories where the the disciples of a guru a single guru can have various types of disciples there is that man who only chops vegetables in the kitchen and he looks after everybody's food there's the other one who is learning the scriptures and uh, uh, participating in debates with the other learned people there is the other one who wants to do seva of guru follows the guru everywhere around catches his chappals catches his umbrella you know wants to be like him look like him dress like him imitate him and there is the other who may just 
uh, express his love for guru all the time you know bow at his feet and says you know how much i love you how much i'm devoted to you you are my god very expressive there is the other student who will never approach the guru but quietly from far offer all his love and devotion to guru seeking his blessings from far choosing to keep that distance there can be so many types of students everybody is not the same but the guy who is chopping vegetables in the kitchen for 30 years 40 years for the longest time why is he doing that he does that his his seva his uh, offering to his guru do you think he will not reach enlightenment he will not reach some level of evolution he will also be evolving in the presence of the guru all different types of students will evolve okay so it's not necessary that students are of one type only so many different types of people so many different types of personalities so many different levels of evolution for all of us okay according to my past my karmas my that that molds my life my personality my temperament and i will manage to do accordingly but let me be honest to what i am let me not pretend okay so if i am suitable to chop vegetables i'll chop vegetables the day the real time comes something inside me will say okay no more chopping vegetables now i must do this because the time is right for that that is the time when i must do it so there is no one answer how to evolve from asanas i say just practice them diligently sincerely so it is not what you do that matters as much as what is your intention behind it am i doing my asanas to keep my spine healthy am i doing asanas to keep my body in good shape am i doing asanas so that i can function better at my workplace and uh, progress in my profession am i doing my asana so that i can sleep better in the night am i doing my asana practice every day to uh, uh, to watch to continue to be a good athlete or to continue to be a good accountant or to be a good musician whatever it is then my practice is only utilization of yoga for another goal for a certain goal okay it's my maintenance dose in life like every day i take a calcium you know supplement because doctor says now after 60 you should take some calcium supplement every day mm-hmm. why am i taking the calcium supplement i don't love calcium calcium so that my bones will not break so if you practice your yoga for those reasons every morning every day one hour diligent religious practice you are a very disciplined student accepted but the goal is so limited so if you have no interest in progressing because you already have a very limited goal where will be the progress there is no question of progress no? so your intention should be that okay this is my path through my body i seek the universe i can seek it through my eyes i can seek it through my ears i can seek it through my brain i can seek it through my spine i can seek it through my feet 
you know the story the the yogis who stand for years on end on one leg they seek to find truth through their feet balance stand and see what happens there so but sincerity has to be there if i'm standing on one foot for 3 years to show off that you know i am so powerful that i can achieve this feat with my name in the guinness book of records then there's no yoga in it then it's not yoga at all right so the way to progress is to just whatever you can understand with sincerely and doors will open out i don't have any other answers than that that's the most beautiful there answer no answers. <laughs> there are no fixed answers true um, unlike the university which will say okay two years at this level and then you go to the next level it doesn't work like that not with that's yoga <laughs> no volition is definitely important and it's the key and what you just described is is to be applied your on your purpose yeah on the same that we do if mm. your intention is clean from the heart okay then chopping vegetables is also yoga there's a story of one guru who had so many followers and this one fellow came to his uh, ashram and he said i want to you know learn from you he said okay take this guy and put him in the kitchen let him you know help you in the kitchen mm-hmm. and uh, so guru gave the command and this fellow went into the kitchen and never came out of the kitchen because he worked sincerely morning till evening there was no time for anything else by the time he slept it was time to wake up once again start cleaning shopping you know and uh, hundreds of people in the ashram and he just went on and on and on for years and uh, he never had the time to go and ask the guru that okay i came here to learn something from you i didn't come here to chop vegetables in your kitchen he never did that and uh, after some years people asked him that when did you come to this ashram he said i don't remember where did you come from where have you come from where do you belong i don't remember what is your name i don't remember he didn't remember anything his personality was lost because he did what the guru asked him guru said chop vegetables he chopped vegetables okay the yoga was there he was connected in head heart and in every way with his guru through the chopping of vegetables he only knew the name of his guru not his own name his individuality his identity was lost somewhere over 20 30 40 years when it came for the time for the guru to leave the world everybody was wondering who will he to you know put under his uh, the disciple the one to lead after him the person on the throne so to say you know the uttaradhikari and uh, there are a lot of uh, scholars and you know well achieved the disciples and they each one felt that it would be me or you know people felt it has to be this one he is his principal disciple but uh, the guru said no not this not this one not this one and then he went to the kitchen and he asked this guy what's your name and he says i don't know i'm i only know that i am your humble servant i only know one name the name of my guru he said this is the guy this is the right guy he will take my seat because the transformation was very obvious to the guru all others were ego guy who loses his ego completely is a yogi what is yoga mm-hmm. 
So whether it's through asanas or whether it's through chopping vegetables in the kitchen, it can be achieved. In our destiny, in my destiny, it had to be through the body because it, my guru came to me in the form of BKS Iyengar. So I follow his method. If my guru had come to me in another form, I may be chopping vegetables somewhere. I don't know. So yoga is in everything. So asan practice is just one path. That is why we have so many different paths were listed. So hatha yoga, raja yoga, bhakti yoga, lay yoga, jnana yoga. Okay, and then later on people started calling them different paths. But they were different paths, but the goal is the same. And then people started like my dad. He said, you know, raja yoga is superior, hatha yoga is inferior. So you you started. Giving them calibers and you started mm-hmm. quantifying them and you started uh, what shall I say ranking them and then it became a mess. Actually, it's not the case. So whatever path is right for you, it comes your way. You walk that path. If you have to go by bullock cart, you go by bullock cart. If your path is by the aeroplane, you sit in an aeroplane. But you have to be very clear that the goal has to be very clear. what vehicle you use what path you use it doesn't matter and this is something that i have learned over the years i didn't know this when i was in my 20s i didn't know this now i understand it so therefore i i don't look down upon people who follow other paths there is respect for everyone each one to their own path if that is your way great You know, we are both we are both brothers on the same path. Just that I am I may be riding a scooter, a two wheeler, and you may be you know flying in an aeroplane. Just that some some at some point we will meet somewhere. Such a beautiful message to someone who is in his or her twenties. Um, so one question that I have uh, related to female health, and I heard that your specialty is uh, also in helping women uh, through Iyengar yoga elevating their Who health. Who told you that? Uh, I don't know why people think so. Uh, it's not as if I specialize in women's problems really. But uh, yeah, there was a time when I used to take ladies classes uh, because, uh, uh, well, two three reasons. One is that timing suited me when my children were small. I didn't teach in the early morning or in the evening because that was family time, and then I had a job to do. So somewhere in the afternoon or late morning, I would be teaching a class, and that is a time women would come. Mm-hmm. Men would be mostly in India at least, you know, or housewives, and you know those who didn't have jobs but who may be self-employed. So women would come, and so those were the ladies' slots. So since ladies came to me, I had to solve their problems. It was not that I had any intention of solving their problems. So that's how it happened. Uh, two is that it suited me to an extent at that time because I have married in a in the Muslim community, and my in-laws uh, are very conservative, and I didn't want them to. Not that they, I lived with them. But I didn't want them to feel offended in any way if they heard from somebody. Okay, so I then kept myself conservative and decided to teach children and women because it suited me in every way. So that's how I was taking only women's classes for some time. And then I realized that in the general classes, women teachers as well as male teachers did not address. Women's problems. Gita Ji did. Gita Ji was very 
bold and overt and clear but most people shied shied from addressing ladies problems women themselves were very shy to go and tell their teachers especially male teachers mm-hmm. so since i had all the ladies in my class uh, they were less shy and so i could openly address their problems and even if so i know that they will not come and tell me about something like incontinence which is so common in older women especially in india if you had two three children and you've not been taught to exercise you know your uh, uh, your bladder and uterine muscles you are fine when you are in your 20s but when you reach 40s and 50s that's when your muscles start to show their weakening and then they don't know what to do so they are very shy they don't want to admit that they have a problem no it's not something that you are happy to tell people or so and you want to push it under the carpet and you say oh no nothing nothing it's because of this it's because of that though they would not tell me that they have a problem i would generally address it to the whole class that okay today you may not have this problem but tomorrow you may have this problem so let's learn about it and then everybody who did have the problem also felt happy that oh thank god she's making us do this afterwards privately they would come and tell me that you know i'm so glad you did this because this is really a problem that i have and i didn't know how to tell you about it so so somehow it happened that you know i started addressing and being a woman having gone through all the stages of a womanhood having you know uh, had children then prenatal problems postnatal problems then having gone through older age menopausal problems having gone through it myself i could understand uh, what the women go through so it was easy for me to be more compassionate to their problems i must admit that i was not so compassionate before i married because guru ji never guru ji never differentiated between his male students and female students mm. okay so if i am there which my contemporaries were bilju and jawahar and then there was also neeta we were not treated differently okay so like okay you should not do this because you are a woman or you cannot do this or don't lift that weight let him lift it no no there was no there was no letting in absolutely with the care sign so we were not taught to make a difference in genders so i taught like a man and i expected every student to learn in the same manner so no female student was taught like a woman delicate soft but when i had my children i could actually feel the i could feel compassionate for the women who did not have very easy deliveries who did not have easy labors who who had problems postnatal i could feel for them earlier i could not feel for them i knew what their problems were but i could not understand them but when i myself my body underwent changes i could feel for them so in that sense i developed more compassion i very clearly remember this was after my second child i must have gone back to class guruji used to still come and teach those days it was a sunday morning he would be here over the weekend saturday sunday i went on a sunday morning and leaving my little my son must have been just a month month and a half old my first class after delivery it was somewhere convenient i think my mother stayed with me and she said you don't worry you go i'll look after the baby husband wouldn't have done that i think mom was there with me 
So I went there and I found myself stiff in the groin and stiff in the back and whatever, you know. So I was like, not what I was before. And Guruji saying, what is this? Bend down, you know, stretch more. I said, Guruji, I've just had a baby, you know, only 40 days ago. He said, so what? I have six children. So there was no way he would say, oh, yes, poor you. Or, you know, like, you must take care. I understand. He did understand, but he did not want that to be my weakness. Okay. So he did not want me to make excuses that, oh, because I have a baby, I can't do this or I'm not so flexible. And then there was no relenting there. But that was a great lesson for me. So, oh, wow. Okay. So there's no, no need to be slow and soft with yourself. You get going. That was good because I felt very good if I did that. If I had pampered myself, maybe I wouldn't have felt so good. So that was BKS anger. Today we don't do that. Even I don't do that. I can't be harsh on my students because I don't have the fire of BKS anger. I am not BKS anger. So I can't do it. So I am soft with them. Take care. You know, I'm a mother. I'm motherly. So that's how it is. But mm-hmm. this is how he was. So whenever I can, I try to address women's problems. And now, uh, I guess with my age and maturity, with less, I'm unabashed. I don't feel embarrassed. If, if I was younger, maybe I would feel a little embarrassed if there are men who talk about you know women's problems <laughs> in an Indian society. Now I don't feel that. Men should also know. And society has changed. Times have changed. We are all progressive. So I'm fine with it. In the field of yoga, we are human beings. No man, no woman. The man-woman difference is in the physiology. Because of that, we have certain roles to play in society. And maybe because of those roles which we are designed for, our bodies are different. Let's say like I have less muscle power than a male of my age. But uh, we know that today women can build as much muscle power as they want with hard work. You see the athletes and you know, people, boxers and God knows what else, kickboxing, wrestling, women are doing everything. Okay. So this is only the physical difference and physical difference because there are always two energies in the universe, the male and the female. This universe will not exist without those two energies. So there is a male energy, there's a female energy, both have to play their roles. But every male also has female energy. Every female also has male energy. When it comes to yoga practices, it's not about female and male energy. It's about the balance between the two energies, whether you're a man or a woman. The male and the female must balance. At that time, you are neither man nor woman. So the message is the same for everyone. There cannot be a different message for a woman, (laughs) different message for a man. Message is to be human, to understand that if you have a human life, human existence, whether you believe in rebirth or not, okay, that's that's axiomatic. It's a belief. And Western, I can understand people in the West can't Accept it easily because you have not grown up with this idea that you'll be reborn again. Right? Doesn't matter if that's the case. But if you have a human birth, then it is in the series of evolution a higher birth. We will not doubt 
that we have certain faculties which a dog doesn't have, even an elephant doesn't have, a snake doesn't have. We have reason, we have a thinking mind, we have buddhi, we have intellect, which is far more evolved than any other creature, biological creature, living creature. So as a human being, I have a duty towards myself that I should evolve in this life. Forget the next life. Though Prashanji will very clearly tell us that we have great duties for our future lives and we don't think about that. But I'm saying, okay, as a not a very high thinking person, as a simple, humble person, don't I have duty towards this life and evolution in this life? So if I have taken up yoga or if you are a yoga student, what is the purpose? The purpose is to evolve. What is evolution? To be a better person. Who is a better person? Somebody who is in greater control of their mind. Somebody who is more balanced, more equanimous, not like a seesaw. So the gunas of sattva gun, rajagun, tamogun, if you balance those, your mind, your psyche, your emotions, everything remains well balanced. The male and the female also balanced. That When that balance is struck, that brings evolution. So everyone must work towards that evolution. Every yoga student, whether male or female. Now, how do you do it? You can find various ways of doing it. If you are an Iyengar yoga student, then I would say you have a fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic uh, uh, possibility of learning in front of you. So start with the body, bring in the breath, evolve to the mind, bring body, mind and breath to a state of balance and then see what happens. It's not something that you decide that this must happen. You have to wait to see what happens. It's fascinating because if you already knew what was going to happen, would you be excited? No. But when you don't know what is going to happen, that's very fascinating. No matter whether you are 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 80 or last day of life, it's still fascinating because you are still waiting to see what's going to happen. So till the last breath, you can still be like a, you know, like a starry-eyed kid, first day at school. You, know, you don't know what's going to happen. So life is beautiful then, isn't it? So make life beautiful. Enjoy. Be happy. Joy is one of the essential qualities of a yogi. You found it in B.K. Sainagar. He was full of joy. That's why everybody pastes all his photographs. Laughing photographs, smiling photographs, big laugh, hearty laugh. Always laughing, happy. So as much as he was strict and fiery like a lion in the class, he was full of joy. And not only when somebody is full of joy, you transmit it to others. Everybody around him is also joyful, including little children. My son could not help going behind him, putting his hand around his neck as if he was his best friend. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? Who is he didn't mind that? Why, why would that little child, he was probably four, why would a child want to do that unless he feels the joy from that person? Otherwise, children will run away no, from older people. 
so so he he exuded that joy the happiness and he shared it with everybody i can't i don't share don't have to share my happiness by giving things to people the greatest sharing is in being that if i am happy that itself is the sharing then whoever is within my radius will feel it you vibrate it that's the message be happy i am very happy that somebody as young as you is uh, showing such keen interest to understand uh, not only the subject of yoga but guruji and his teaching the way he taught so i wish you all the best thank you thank you so much thank you for your time and thank you yeah thank you firoza for your wisdom and for sharing your story intention is crucial in every action we take It is not what we do that matters as much as our intention behind it. An action that is without intention or has a very limited purpose can be mindless and mechanical, and such actions only stagnate the body and the mind. That is why Svadhyaya, the study of self with microscopic awareness and radical honesty is so so important. By regularly checking our intention, re-examining our thoughts and actions, we can truly grow, evolve, and maintain the balance of mind. This was such a beautiful and helpful reminder for me today. Thank you for tuning in. May you find abundant support in your practice through this podcast, and may it be an inspiration for you in your own study and discovery of self. See you in the next episode.